Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now, on today's episode, we will be talking about partnerships development for new product areas. And this, I think, is a fairly unique and interesting area, as I discovered myself during the recording of this episode, because it seems that partnerships development for new product areas can take on slightly different flavors compared to doing partnerships for relatively more mature products. Because when the product is more mature, I think your role has more elements of going out and finding new partners and building out a relationship with them and maintaining that relationship. Whereas in this particular case, because the product itself is very new, the role has elements of partnerships, yes, but also elements of product management, which I found very interesting. But anyway, I'll let you listen to the discussion. Let me very quickly introduce our guest. Her name is Amy Chu. And Amy does partnerships development for IBM Watson Health, which is IBM's artificial intelligence-based healthcare product. In terms of Amy's background, she has extensive healthcare experience. She was with Sutter Health for more than three years. And prior to that, she was in management consulting. She was doing strategy consulting for PricewaterhouseCoopers. In terms of her educational background, she has a bachelor's in biomedical engineering from Yale University. And she has an MBA with a focus on healthcare management from the Wharton School. So with that, let's welcome Amy. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, Amy. Hello. How are you? Welcome to the show. Great, great. Thanks. Glad to be here. Absolutely. And you really are working in a really interesting area. I mean, AI and machine learning are pretty much the areas to be in in Silicon Valley. So how did you find this role? Um, well, that's a really good question. Um, I actually, this is one of the first times that the job found me. One of my old colleagues at Sutter Health, um, he's actually a physician and he was kind of our chief innovation officer um, for the um, one of the medical groups over at Sutter. And he um, got recruited by Watson Health to become the vice president of health transformation. And he's building a new AI product um, specifically for primary care physicians. And so as he was building his team, he wanted to recruit more people with healthcare experience. And so um, given that we had worked on a few projects together back at Sutter, um, he brought me onto the team. I see. Okay, very cool. So he he then reached out to you to say that, hey, we worked together before. I like working with you. So have you thought about doing something in this space and you were interested? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I've always been interested in healthcare, um, you know, having worked directly for a healthcare organization and having done consulting in the healthcare space. But I think the opportunity to to use technology to solve some of the challenging problems of healthcare and specifically um, trying to make sense of all the big data that's out there seemed really interesting. Hmm. So this is my first time in the tech industry, um, but not probably my third job in healthcare. Yeah, you do have a lot of experience in healthcare and I'm sure that helps you. But you don't have experience in machine learning, right? But does your job require you to be conversant in AI and ML? Yeah, that's, um, well, a lot of the learning is, for me at least, on the job. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I I 
bring a different perspective to the team. Um, certainly there are engineers on the team and, and, and a, a whole research team actually that was that helps develop to Watson and um, are applying it to different use cases. And so we have, thankfully, we have super experienced people, um, engineers and researchers um, on this, developing the technology. But yes, on the job, I'm learning a lot in terms of how does the machine learn and how, um, what kind of data actually it needs to get, um, because those are all the things that I need to know in order to find the right partnership. I see. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like to do your job, you do need to understand what your product Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But, But it sounds like it wasn't a prerequisite in order to get into the job. No, I think that's because we have a multidisciplinary team. So I think mm-hmm. with any product type um, organization, we've got designers, we've got you know a team of um, researchers and engineers, as well as even in our own product management team, we've got someone who's been doing product management um, for different tech companies for 15 years. We've got um, an engineer from MIT, and then we've got myself, which comes from more of a business and healthcare background. So I think the three of us kind of on the core product management team um, have a complementary skill set. So that's, that's been really helpful. Right, right. So I do want to get into the details of your role. But I think in, in this specific case, there are a bunch of things that we should clarify first, just just very quickly. So can you give us a little bit of intro to Watson and then Watson Health? Sure. So Watson, I think most people know it as the, the I don't know what to call it anymore, but the because it wasn't a product at the time, but it was the technology that won um, Jeopardy five uh-huh. years ago. And <laughs> yeah. the technology that really kind of let it win was um, the idea of building um, natural language processing and being able to take in all the data, ingest it in a really fast manner, like more so than a rate that humans can learn and interpret interpret the questions and spit out an answer. Um, and that's, you know, it's similar now. It's It seemed novel back then, but, you know, with Alexa and Siri, I mean, natural language processing and that type of AI is getting more and more common. But within healthcare specifically, I mean, it's a, it's a new industry vertical that Watson started actually in the last two years. So it's relatively new and they're focused on um, using AI for different healthcare, I guess, industry verticals. So within Watson Health, we've got a group focused on imaging and, you know, being able to scan an image and tell kind of, you know, diagnose or, or figure out like kind of what the image, um, interpret the image. Hmm. Um, we've got a pillar that's focused on life sciences and trying to speed up the R&D life cycle for pharmaceutical companies using AI and trying to figure out which which molecules or which inventions might make it to actual commercialization. Um, We've got a pillar focused on value-based care and figuring out how to make case managers' workflow more effective. So using risk stratification and knowing which patients they should be targeting and trying to do intervention before they get really sick. We've got a pillar focused on oncology. And oncology is probably our biggest pillar right now in terms of there was a feature in 60 Minutes about um, Watson Health and being able to um, kind of mimic what oncologists at UNC Lineberger, um, the tumor board um, physicians there, I think Watson, the statistic is that 99% of the time it recommended the same thing that a doctor would, but then 30% of the time it found a new treatment that the doctor was unaware of just because at the rate (laughs) at which it can digest information and clinical trials and new research that comes out in new medical literature. And then um, my product specifically is it's not actually aligned to any of those pillars, but it's cross-pillar in the sense that we're trying to focus on um, AI for primary care. 
Oh, I see. Okay, so we'll we'll talk more about that. But mm-hmm. uh, so, but basically, sounds that uh, sounds like that in Watson Health, you're applying artificial intelligence to various areas within healthcare and try to speed up development there. So, scanning images and identifying what the issue is, or life sciences, identifying new treatments and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yeah, no, I was just gonna say I would have to. I think I I would think that kind of the core benefits of using AI in healthcare are that it can ingest a ton of information, like, you know, more so than any human could um, and at a faster rate. And also, I think one of the the untapped areas of healthcare is unstructured data. So, so, you know, like there's tons of companies and startups out there today that try to crunch big data that's stored in like an EMR, like electronic medical record field, you know, like what's the diagnosis, what, you know, what's the patient's age, what are they most likely, what are their characteristics and, you know, like what diseases will they develop over time? But very few people have figured out how to, how to analyze images or, you know, like kind of free text that the clinician writes in their note Mm, that's mm. not kind of assigned to any field. And so people say that like 80% of healthcare data is unstructured and we're trying to use AI to kind of tackle that piece, that that landmine of data that, you know, today has not really been tackled unless, um, I mean, unless you find a way to analyze yeah. it in a meaningful way. No, that sounds very powerful. And uh, it's probably a little bit late to ask this question, but just in case there's a listener who is not familiar with AI, can you just very quickly tell us what is AI? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a, a, a you know, a good question. Um, and I myself had to do a lot of research when I joined the company. Um, I mean, I think there are people refer to it in a lot of different ways. They, they use machine learning, they use other terms to describe it. But I, I think the way that I think about it and the way that we're using it, at least on my project, is kind of the whole idea of unsupervised learning. So I think, you know, I think most computers are very rules-based in terms of, you know, like here's an answer, you do all these calculations to get to this answer and and then you kind of use math or use rules to figure out like predict things. Um, But unstructured learning is kind of where you kind of um, have an answer, but you let the machine figure out how to get there. And so it kind of learns in its own adaptive way. Mm -hmm. And I think that way is more scalable so that you're not, we're not constrained by trying to write all these rules and figure out how to predict things using um, logic. And so um, I think it's kind of unleashing the power of unsupervised learning and, and having the machine figure out and having that machine apply it to new situations. Yep. Well, thank you so much because it helps put everything into context. So now let's get to your role specifically then. So you are, correct me if I'm wrong, responsible for developing partnerships for IBM Watson Health, right? Yes. And specifically for a new product that we're trying to launch next year. Okay. So can you talk talk a little bit more about that and, and then where your role comes in? Yeah. Yeah. So there's many partnerships that we do in order to launch a product, but if I were to bucket it into two major categories, um, I would say getting a sponsor user. So getting like a health system who can kind of co-develop the product with you. You need, you need clinician feedback, you need data, you need, you need to test it in the real world to see if it actually has any business value or the value that you say the product's going to have. And then there's kind of third party partnerships too, where you might need a licensed third party content. You might need, annotation services to train Watson, you might need a go-to-market strategy with another vendor in the space. Mm -hmm. And so um, I focus on both kind of finding health system sponsored users as well as third-party partnerships that might help us get to market faster. 
and with credibility. So. Got it. Yeah. So let me just make sure that I understand that. So the sponsored user space definitely makes a lot of sense. So these are when you're actually launching the product, you want to go to the market. Having said that, hey, you know, we've already tested the product out with real world users. This is how they benefited from it. These were the results. So mm-hmm. that makes your launch much more impactful. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, just to dig, to dig a little bit deeper there, uh, these sponsored users would be, are these hospitals? Are, who? What are the kind of customers we're talking or partners we're talking about here right so um we're we're really focused on developing one or two kind of co-development partnerships with large health systems Hmm. and so um large meaning that they have a lot of data and they have the it infrastructure and the emr infrastructure to actually use the solution right so we're not talking about like a small private practice but someone who's like kind of invested heavily in data and has historical data that can yield insights. Um, I mean, that's how that's how the technology runs. And so with sponsor users, we want, I mean, we need both, we need to partner with them both from a design perspective. So kind of having weekly feedback sessions and getting feedback from the clinicians like this, the doctors. Um, we might shadow them. We might shadow some case managers or nurse practitioners to understand, um, you know, like how they might use the tool. And also we also, um, you need um, to actually partner with health systems to get access to data to actually build the algorithms that and to train Watson. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so yeah, it's usually large health systems, one to two, for the purpose of co-development. And so, and and really, once we once we develop the algorithms and once we get user feedback, I mean, the goal is to really pilot this with them and eventually come to some type of like published study, so that when you hit the market, you can you can talk about things like just like Watson Health for Oncology when they entered the market, they had done a really they had done a couple partnerships with UNC Lineberger Institute with. Um, Memorial Sloan Kettering um, and with Cleveland Clinic. And so they could talk about, you know, we were able to diagnose the same as as doctors like 99% of the time. You need a study to actually back that up. And so that's kind of the last piece of the partnership is trying to quantify the value of the solution. Right, 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 yeah. And then you said that the second type of partners that you're looking to um, partner with, I guess, mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. Your, are your licensing deals, so third-party content. So... Oh, yeah. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about this. What, what is this? Right. So, I mean, it's not it, it, third party content is one type of kind of external partnership, but it could be anything from I mean, there's always whenever, whenever you think about health um, developing a product, you can either build it yourself or or you could buy it or you could partner for it. And mm-hmm. so um, the whole idea of training Watson, I mean, you can train it on real world data, but how do you scale that? Right. If you want to train it on you know, more conditions or more use cases, like it's really hard to, to find a new partner every time you want to expand kind of the application. So you can kind of try to figure out what other data sources could you use to train Watson. It's like kind of sending Watson I to see. medical school, right? And so there are certain companies out there that kind of aggregate this type of data. And so, um, or we can enrich the data too. Like if you um, have health system data, but you want to marry it with like census data to figure out not only, you know, the, the clinical things about the patient, but also, you know, in, in where the patient lives, what is their, what is the income bracket? What is access, you know, what is the education rate? What is, you know, all these other things you would need to marry that data with third party content. And so, so it's just another way to, it's just another way to get data. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's another way to make the product more um, insightful. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so you, as the partnerships development manager over here, 
what is the extent of your involvement? So are you the one who's A, going out and identifying, okay, who do we partner with? And then you're speaking with them and then you're actually working with them through this entire project. So tell us a little bit more about your role. Yeah, yeah. So it, it almost feels like business development plus operations because mm-hmm. um, there's so many, I mean, you see the partnership through the life cycle. And so in the beginning, you know, like at the, at my boss, so like the VP, um, will 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 speak to different CEOs or CMOs, chief medical officers of health systems, and try to gauge interest. And when if if someone seems like they're going to be a really good partner, they're interested in, in in really doing a co-development partnership with us, then that's when I um, step in and and help facilitate. First, the first phase is actually just the contracting work, right? And so. Mm-hmm you know, these contracts can be like 30 pages long and it, it covers everything from like deal terms, like if they want revenue share, if they want milestones to base the revenue share off of who's paying for like the the time and expertise and the investment cost, liability, intellectual property. So the, the first stage is really the contracting piece and, and, and really formalizing that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that out of the way, then you can start kind of the more operational piece, which is you know, what are the phases of work that need to happen over time? What do we think the budget is? What are we trying to measure? And then sometimes, especially within healthcare, we have to go get special approval to get access to healthcare data or to test in a live clinical environment. It's a super regulated industry. Hmm. And so you need to kind of jump through all those hurdles. And then um, it's just basically seeing the project through from beginning to end all the way till the product Right. goes to market. And then even then afterwards, there's there's things like making sure, you know, kind of the marketing and the reference side and the kind of speaking arrangements to come after that. So there's a, I mean, there's a very long life cycle that could last, at least for the ones that we're thinking about for this product. Um, it could be like a year and a half long partnership. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure that this is the kind of thing which will take a, a long time, like you're saying a year and a half. And, um, and it also sounds that your healthcare expertise is crucial over here because you need to really understand all of these pieces that need to come together for the partnership to a even exist and b to be successful so like all the yeah. legal things and yeah no, yeah I, I i i've i mean i was very lucky that in my last job at sutter i um i did do a technology pilot there so that's been that experience even though it was one project has been really helpful mm-hmm. for this role because it's trying to understand how do health systems quantify business value is it is it you know better outcomes is it cost savings? Is it time savings? Is it higher quality or less errors? Like there are so many ways and each health system is different, but you need to figure out how to quantify the value that we think we're creating and, right. and measure it. So so are you the one who owns the relationship with the partner? I mean, I, so we have, at least for the one that I'm on now, we have weekly steering committee meetings and I set the agenda and I, and I, you know, send out the meeting minutes. Um, and when, and, and when things do, you know, need kind of resolution. So for example, a really good example is um, I, I've spent the last two months working on this 30 page contract mm-hmm. with a health system. Um, and we just signed actually over the weekend, but there, there were things like, you know, I can do all the business modeling that I can to figure out, you know, here's what, what we think their time and effort is worth. Here's what we think we can give away in terms of royalties or revenue share. Um, but then, you know, the other, the health system might have their own point of view, like, and it's kind of like a negotiation. Right. And so I work very closely with the um, VP of business development on their side, as well as their lawyers. And I'm not a lawyer, so I have to bring in our legal counsel. And so it's, hmm. it's a very business plus legal conversation that 
negotiation that happens over two months. And, and if things escalate, like, for example, we just can't agree on something, we'll take it up to the CEO level and have the VP and the CEO kind of work it out. Um, and then kind of give direction right. for the rest yeah. of the team. So, um, I would, I wouldn't say that I'm like the, I, I'm, I'm certainly not the sole decision maker, but I do a lot of the analysis and the, and the contract writing to get us to, to get us there. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, uh, I'm also curious about the, the team and how, how the, these various roles are coming together. So you mentioned, for example, there's a product manager who, who has 15 years of past experience, and then you have these engineers and you have your legal people and marketing people, there's you. So through this project, how would you describe your role versus these other roles? Are, are, you, it, are you the one who is sort of leading the project and these different people are, you, you call upon them as needed? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think if I were to try to describe my role, I would say maybe 30, 30, 40% of what I do day to day feels like business development, which is mm-hmm. like more direct kind of partnership relationship management type work and, you know, like getting ready for these weekly meetings and any kind of work streams that come out of them. Um, so we might have like a, um, a research work stream, a business work stream, a legal work stream. And so I kind of manage all those and make sure that they happen. And then, so I said, okay, say if it's 40% business development, I would say it's 30% product management. So that's where, you know, I coordinate. So if, if we say for, you know, with the health system, we want to get to pilot. Well, then that means by this date, that means I have to make sure that our designers and our engineers and our developers can all deliver by that date. Hmm. And so that's where like 30% product management piece comes in. Oh, I see. And then I yeah. would say 30, the other remaining 30% is like project management, you know, where it's like, here are all the hurdles that we have to do, like all these approvals and everything else um, that, that need to happen in order to get us to certain milestones. And so... Um, it's a very, it's a very cross-functional team, as I mentioned, and I would say that my role is kind of touches a little bit of all of those pieces. Okay, that's helpful. And it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that 30% of your role is product management, where you're working with your engineers to make sure that you're hitting your milestones. So it's not the PM on the, on the team who's doing that. So he's involved in, I guess, he or she is building out the product itself, whereas you're focused more on this particular project. Right. So, I mean, I, I think I, I, I guess with the, st- the startup type environment, we, we have a list of things that we have to do as kind of the core product management team. So mm-hmm. I would consider myself part of the core product management team of three. Mm-hmm. And so any work that comes in, um, we, we kind of divvy up the work streams, you know. So if I know that I have to hit this pilot date by November, well, mm-hmm. that means I need to drop code by July, which means that I need to make sure that the engineers have the data by, by March. You know, and so in order to get to all those pieces, I have to work with them to make sure that a that we are getting like the right data and making sure kind of monitoring their progress week by week to make sure that that they're getting to a place where um, that we we could have like an algorithm developed and it could be commercialized. So that's kind of where the product management piece comes in. And, And I guess another big piece of where product management comes in is defining all the features that need to be available for a pilot and available yeah, for an MVP. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of how it all ties in together. Yeah. So actually, I think what would be very helpful is if, if you can maybe take an example of a project. Well, I mean, this is the project. So to the extent mm-hmm. you can share the details, but I would love to sort of walk through the key activities that you engaged in. So like, for example, 
you, you mentioned con- contracting and then there's the operations piece, but one level deeper. So, you know, things that you did, like defining the features that need to exist for this pilot to be to be successful and things like that. So can you give us some idea? From from the beginning or just more yeah. on that piece? From the beginning. Okay. From yeah. the beginning. Tell me if this is getting into too much detail. No, th- um, this is good. Okay. This is helpful. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, I would say back in October... I'm just trying to, you know, give you context that healthcare is kind of a slow moving industry. So, mm. um, you know, it took three months kind of for our CEO and our VP to do breakfasts and, and talk and figure out, you know, is there really a potential for a partnership here? They sign an NDA, they talk about what the product is. And then three months later, I think they say they feel comfortable enough to say that this is something that they want to do. Mm. And so we sign a memorandum of understanding and then we start full out negotiations for two months to write like a, a formal binding agreement. And then that 30 page binding agreement, we have to discuss everything from like the business terms, which Mm. is, you know, who's going to pay for, for all the investment and and the time and the resources that are required, who's going, what, what kind of revenue share is available, what kind of product discount might be available, what are the milestones that you need need to have to be eligible for revenue share. And then you get really, really into the minutia of data security and liability and intellectual property and so I worked really, really close with legal and finance in order to get approval for a lot of the terms that we put in the final agreement. So those are that, that's like a full out business negotiation for two months. Hmm. And I think two months is actually kind of fast. I've heard other partnerships at IBM with the health system can take like six months of negotiation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's just to give you a it's a long, long lead time. Yeah. So then finally, you know, three months later, we sign a contract, which is great. Um, but all along, we've been having this weekly steering committee meetings and I've been managing a project plan that kind of tells you from end to end from from now until you know 2018 when we think the product's going to launch what needs to happen and what are the milestones that that our healthcare organization needs to kind of work with us to reach because by the way we also wrote in milestones for them to be eligible for revenue shares to hit these things on time right, right? right. and so they're very interested in making sure that we do those things so um, so the things that I think about when I think about a um, project timeline are things from you basically work backwards and and you and you and you kind of do this i mean it's similar to product management where you need to first figure out what do you think the market needs but then also what's feasible to be Mm. delivered and so we kind of so our design team really has been doing six months of research and trying to figure out how can we use big data to make primary care physicians lives better they've gotten all these like crazy ideas and they've kind of developed a ui but then it's up to really product management to figure out, okay, what needs to happen for a pilot version of this of this product? What needs to happen for the MVP of this product by launch date? And then what's a future thing that we think is just too hard to tackle or we just think that it's, it's nice, but it's not a need to have. Hmm. And so we go through all the design work. Um, so they might have, the designers might come up with a, you know, 200 line spreadsheet of these are all like the things that we think contribute to the solution. And then me and the other product manager, fig- you know, look at that line, you know, list of 200 things and we figure out, okay, which bucket should we put these in? Is it a, is it for the pilot? Is it for the MVP? Right. Or is it future? Okay. So you're like prioritizing so, it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then with that, then we start working and meeting with our engineers and researchers and saying, okay, this is the business requirement. Like hmm. we think the market needs this. Hmm. Now you tell us, do these timelines make sense and do these features make sense? And so then we work backwards. And so I would say that when I think about the timeline for this, this partnership, I mean, we've divided it into three phases. The first phase is 
really getting user feedback and, and shadowing physicians and understanding what they do today and how this product might right. fix their biggest pain points. So a lot of it is ethnography. A lot of it is um, a small data pool to start figuring out, like, is this data in the right format? Is it helpful? What else do we need? And then that's kind of like a three-month phase one. And then we might do, then we're going to do like a three-month phase two, which is actually get a lot more data from them and really train Watson to a certain level of performance. So we have our own kind of quantitative measurement to figure out, is this data accurate? We're going to basically compare the Watson-generated insights with a clinician and figure out, is this really on par with what we think? Um, and is it accurate? You know, what's the precision? What's the recall? Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's kind of phase two and testing the actual algorithms. And then phase three is a pilot where we actually put it into we get we get all the specs that we think we need for a a, uh, a pilot version, and and we put it in the hands of clinicians. We measure the results over six months, and then um, all along during this process, our engineers and our researchers are still working on making the commercial version of the product. But we need to actually get some idea of you know if it's if it it'll be viable in the market and get a lot of feedback. And then finally, you know, then we get to we get to commercial launch. And then there's a whole host of other go-to-market things that we could do with this health partner, yeah. like publish a paper or go to a speaking conference or have them be a reference site. And those are all kind of what happens afterwards. Um, so does that help? <laughs> yes, that does help. Yeah. Okay. And thank you so much. Uh, do you also spend time on finding partners to partner with? So that's a good question. I mean, I, I think about I help with the strategy behind it. Like when you pick a health partner, I mean, there's a lot of things that you would want to consider. Um, part of it is, do we have an existing relationship with them? Cause that, mm. that makes it easier. Um, you know, what kind of, honestly, what kind of like data and IT infrastructure do they have? Cause there are certain kind of things that we know we can work with and things that there's systems that we know we can work with and things that we, from an IT perspective that we know that we can't. Right. And so, um, you know, if, if, for example, there was a health system that's already an IBM client and they're already on our data platform, it makes it so much easier to kind of do the analytics and extract the data mm-hmm. than it would be to start from scratch and do it with someone that, ha- you know, has never kind of, we would have right. to like pull all their data from scratch and figure out how to analyze it and, and, and map it into our own kind of architecture. And so, I mean, there, those are the, some of the strategic considerations as well. Is this, is this, is this company innovative? Um, and do we think there's a good cultural fit there too? You know, there's, um, you know, there's a ton of companies that, um, you know, have different reasons for partnerships. Some of them just want to make money. Some of them want to be a real partner and, and, and invest a lot more and, you know, with us. And so those are all kind of strategic considerations for picking the next one. But a lot of it honestly is relationship driven. And so like the first partnership that we've signed for my team, it's because my, my boss, and, and the leader of our team actually knows the 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 CEO and the CMO of the health system from mm-hmm. a, a previous mm-hmm. kind of like um, policy relationship. And so, I, I mean, see. that that was kind of a great fit there. I see. Yeah, and I'm sure that you guys probably, given that it's IBM and it's Watson, there are probably many more companies that are reaching out to you to potentially partner as opposed to you having to go out and look for partners to partner with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's it's really a two way street. Like we've definitely had some, you know, like when we get to actually like working on that thirty page contract, we've had deals fall apart because there are some things that we just like absolutely cannot see eye to eye on. Hmm. And so that's why you know doing the upfront work of finding a partner who really kind of is a good fit 
in a, in, in, you know, both from a data perspective and a partnership and how much they're willing to put into it. And, um, you know, like all those things are really important because you don't want to get to the 11th hour and find out that yeah. we just got to walk away. Cool. So how is the success of someone measured in this role? <laughs> if I were to quote my boss, it would be making sure we deliver things good quality and on time. <laughs> so basically meeting our milestones. I mean, those things are set out. I mean, I think with product management, you have an end to end kind of timeline and mm-hmm. we need to hit all those milestones on time because every I mean, every month that we're delayed, we're burning, we're burning cash and, and we can't bring something to market. And so, I mean, we have, we have, even though it's IBM, we still feel the same pressures of a startup in terms of every month counts and, and IBM still counts on us to get to the market by a certain time. So, yeah, I mean, so to me, the reason I'm, the reason I'm struggling with my questions a little bit is because I don't think I would have expected what you're describing from a partnership manager because a lot of what you've described seems very much like a product manager. Uh, And it could be because you're in a unique uh, situation where, you know, it's a small team that's trying to do a lot. So so the role is a little bit, you know, like you said, right, like there are three of you and you just divvy divvy up the work. And Mm -hmm. and you yourself said that, you know, a big part of your role is product management and project management as opposed to pure play partnership management. Would you agree I mean, that's definitely how I would describe my role. Um, But if it's more helpful to talk about the partnership piece, I can focus more on that. I mean, I only say that because, I mean, I'm a partnership manager for the sake of product development, you know, like for the sake of getting to a product. It would be different if I was a if I was a partnership manager for a already commercialized offering, you know, and we're trying to figure out like new ways to like, for example, we're thinking about how to partner with like IOT, you know, like Internet of Things. Like, can we partner with people who have apps to, to help, you know, have a way to engage the patient outside of the clinic. Like those would, those could be all potential partnerships that make our product more effective mm-hmm. in a future version. But we're starting from version one right now. And that really requires someone who's willing to help us with yeah. all of the product development. Right. Piece. No, but this is helpful, right? Because I think this is an, imp- this is an interesting area for people to learn about where, the, the role of a partnership manager might be very different depending on the stage that your product is in. So in your case, oh, as you're absolutely. saying, yeah, yeah, so because it's a new product, it's a very hands-on kind of uh, kind of role as opposed to, like you said, if it's a mature product that's already in the market, you might see a very, see a very different flavor of partnership management. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And I would say like, you know, for the products that Watson Health kind of develops from scratch. I mean, this is the same model that Watson Health for Oncology used. Like they went after three health systems, Mm. you know, got really deep into, you know, sharing data, sharing analytics. I mean, their physicians must have put in like hundreds, if not thousands of hours into training and and, and validating the insights before we can bring it to market. Because I mean, the last thing you want to do is bring a product to market that's like inaccurate, you know, like gives the wrong treatment or wrong recommendation. And so it is a lot of it feels a lot like product development, but I mean, we have to work with industry experts. We can't build it ourselves because we just right. don't have the expertise. In yeah. House. And that that's the uniqueness of the role. I mean, I think it's a very interesting role. Are you aware of other companies that might be offering something similar? I mean, I think there are a lot of companies in the AI space. Like you've got like the big giants, like, you know, Google has acquired DeepMind, which, you know, has been working with the NHS, which is the UK's health system. I mean, they've got access to all their records and their images, and they're trying to train their own version of an AI product. Um, Microsoft 
last week actually just announced um, kind of work that they're doing as well. I think they have a project in oncology similar to what we're doing. And they're also trying to use the same thing, which is trying to use NLP, natural language processing, um, to also probably similarly try to mine unstructured data as well. So you've got the big giants, but then you've also got a ton of startups in this space, like, um, like Lumiata or QPI, you know, like there's, there's a ton of small kind of Silicon Valley like startups that are trying to crack this as well, but for a very niche, um, use case, right? Like, so it might be just predicting who's going to get sick and, Mm -hmm. and, and that, but not, not really going beyond that. And then I, what actually is surprising in this space is that a lot of health systems can actually become competitors. So like a Geisinger or a Kaiser, um, who's sitting on like lots and lots of data that they've collected themselves. I mean, if they wanted to, they could develop their own algorithms as well. And yeah. we've seen kind of, we've seen them announce some pretty interesting partnerships or some interesting kind of solutions that, that they're trying to develop as well. So it's an interesting space that we're competing against kind of tech giants as well as startups, as well as health systems who yeah. kind of have the gold mine of data, which we all need in order to, to, to train exactly. AI. Yeah. And I would I would probably add to that that I think what you're if someone likes what you're describing in terms of the job, then they might also consider any company, like unless you know healthcare is your area of interest, any company that is in the stage of building out a new product but is heavily dependent on other companies, like quote unquote your partners, in order for it to be successful. So in your case you have this data dependency which is where Mm -hmm. you come in, there might be other products which have some other kind of dependency on other companies where, again, it might be possible to find a role similar to yours. Right, right, exactly. So so then in your opinion, what do you think are the most interesting aspects of your role? I mean, I I think because it's my first time I think it's my, because it's my first time in tech. Um, I mean, I think the whole idea of building something from scratch mm-hmm. is, is super interesting. I mean, building something tangible, right? I came from, I mean, I came from more of a business and strategy background where you, you, you kind of, your value add is like, like business planning, but this is like a tangible thing that we're making. I mean, I would say that when you work in healthcare, it's always about the mission too, right? So, um, I mean, I don't think we're building another widget to, <laughs> you know, put on a mobile app, but yeah. we're really trying to you know, like use the value of all this data that's been stored in these electronic medical records, but aren't really, you know, it's not very useful. So, I mean, we're trying to, we're trying to solve some really big problems in healthcare. And I would say, I mean, for me, um, because it's unique, it's been a first time for me in this kind of this environment, I would say how multidisciplinary the role is coming from strategy and consulting. I, I was very used to being an individual contributor Hmm. where, you know, you yourself, I mean, you interview people and you talk to them and you make sure that, I mean, it makes sense, but you yourself kind of create the the financial model and then you create like the presentation with ultimate business recommendation. And it's a very kind of, you rely on yourself to kind of come up with those insights with, with some interviews and with some, um, you know, like market research or data. Mm -hmm. But here, I mean, like I can't function unless the legal team and the finance team and the engineering team, design team, um, the product management team, they're all working together and they're all, um, dependent on each other. So it's a very different type of role and it requires so much more coordination than I'm used to. (laughs) Yeah. Which, which has its own challenges, but I'm sure it's, it's a, it's a great skill set to develop, right? Mm-hmm. And are there any aspects that you do not like? I mean, <laughs> I I would say that, you, you know, it, it depends on what kind of person you are. Um, but I would say I think that the, the project management piece where 
um, you know, it's, it's great that I feel like I'm learning a lot because I'm, I'm interacting with so many different people, you know, mm-hmm. like even listening to our researcher one day, give us a 30 minute crash course on AI and the kind of data he needs in order to, to do what he needs to do and how he develops the algorithms. It was like, I felt like I was sitting in like a college lecture again. And I was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I'm learning so much. So I, I feel like that those are like kind of the best moments, but I, I feel like the same aspect, which is you have to rely on people to get your job done yeah. can also be the most challenging, right? So yeah. For example, I'm waiting on a data poll from the health system and it's three weeks, taking three weeks longer than expected. Well, that pushes kind of our development timeline yeah. um, back by a month. And so there are kind of things that feel outside of your control, but you're still ultimately accountable for getting things done on time. Yeah. And so I would also say that while you learn a lot from working on a multidisciplinary team, I would say it also stresses me out sometimes to feel mm-hmm. responsible for um, kind of dependencies that I don't have direct control over. Yeah, yeah, that's the I'm forgetting what's the term for it. It's a uh, uh, leadership without, um, like it's not authority or authority. Something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Right? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's like by influence. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I so I feel I feel a lot of pressure to like constantly be like updating people and making sure that we're all like on the same page and try to actually find like what are the potential bottlenecks or what are the risks and trying to and address those ahead of time before we before it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. generally, in this case, in terms of the career path, and, and I mean in terms of where you can go from here, so it I, so I understand that your role is a little bit unique because you are getting a lot of exposure to the product, you're actually helping building out the product, but can you give us some idea that having gotten this experience both on the product and on the partnership side, what are the kind of exit, n- not exit necessarily, it could be within the company, uh, mm-hmm. What are the things that you would look at? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think when you asked me about my role, I, you know, I, I mentioned that it's it feels like forty percent business development, thirty percent product management, and thirty percent project management. Yeah. So, I, I think you could eventually um, mm. specialize and focus in one of those things. So, I mean, I, I, I could see from a from the first piece, the business development piece. Um, you know, there's. When I look around on my team, I mean, we've got a VP who kind of, he's, he's like really good at wheeling and dealing and he executes a lot of partnerships. Mm-hmm. And so like, he's more of like a biz dev kind of guy. So you could, you could go down that route. The girl that I work with, who's been doing this for 15 years, she's like a very experienced product manager and she's kind of the product, product lead on this. And so, um, you know, that's also another path. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, she's seen more as, she, so in that role, I think you're more of like, kind of a decision maker when it comes to, um, you know, putting your foot down in certain contracting terms or, you know, or even, you know, of course we as a team define the specs, but she can, she, she has the kind of the authority to make like the final call on things. Hmm. And then I don't know if any, I mean, I mean, I guess people could be a, a full-time project manager, but I think that's more rare. So I would say like you could become more of a kind of biz dev person or you could become like more of a product lead, um, I you know, as a, as a future career path. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So then I just have a few more questions from the point of view of someone who might be interested in doing something similar to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So if you were to think about a few qualities, let's say three to five qualities in someone that you think would really enjoy this role, what do you think those five qualities would be? And, and I would love to, you know, like, and I, I'm giving, sharing this caveat only because I've experienced this in other discussions. So like, I, I want to focus on things that you think are unique to this role, as opposed to more generic qualities, like, I don't know, leadership, right, which which can mm-hmm. be applied to like many things. 
Okay, so I'm I'm gonna list some, but you can tell me if it's like <laughs> okay, not 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 the way that you meant to ask the question. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I mean, things that are important for this role, I would honestly say, I mean, this is gonna sound, I don't know if it sounds exclusive, but I mean, it's really important to have some healthcare knowledge. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest mm. problems at Watson right now, and Watson Health is. In the same way the product came, you know, came to be, which is you've got a ton of smart engineers who built a product, but then they now to figure out need to figure out a market to sell it into. Right. Um, I mean, I, I feel like Watson is kind of at a turning point where they realize that they need to have more people with healthcare experience. So that's why they brought in my boss. Like he's a clinician and an innovator, and was happened to be a software engineer before he was a clinician. Mm. So he knows all these pieces, but you need someone who actually knows medicine or knows a health system. Um, the other product management lead. In, in my group, um, she did 15 years of health health technology. You know, wow. she sold, yeah. um, she, she helped develop EMRs for 15 years. And oh, so, wow. I mean, yeah. the three of us are kind of like the clinical, not the clinical, that's the wrong term, but like kind of like the three people with healthcare background on mm-hmm. our team. And the rest kind of just came from like pure tech. And so I would actually say that healthcare in this specific context is really important um, because it's such a regulated industry and it's so, it's full of acronyms, it's full of, you know, it's just like, there's a lot of nuances to working with like health data as opposed to like, I don't know, like social media data. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, very um, sensitive. So I would say some healthcare experience. Okay. Um, I would say, I don't know if this is too generic, but someone who is kind of a good, it sounds generic, but like a team player and a listener hmm. um, because team player because of the multi like the multidisciplinary aspect like you know, like every day I could be talking to like five different people in different I mean people in five different functional roles and so you're you need to be able to kind of yeah. work well with them and yeah. then listen I, I would say okay maybe listen will be a third quality I would say listen because when you when it comes to partnerships the example that I was telling you about before when it came to contracting hmm. um you know like I think the example that I, I told you about was you know people have said like on this whole like data security thing you know, deals have fallen apart because I think, I think naturally people have like a health system and a, and a tech vendor might have opposite points of view on what they're willing to agree to, hmm. but you have to find, figure out how to meet in the middle. Right. And yeah. so I, I think sometimes I've, I've seen some people negotiate and, and they're, they call it, they have a very hard line. Like IBM would never do a deal like that, you know? Hmm. And if you're going to, if you're going to talk like that, then, you, then you're not it's really going to make any progress. So, yeah. so even though you know that you're on opposite sides, you need to figure out how like, what the health system actually ma- like cares about. And um, I would say the biggest difference for me joining this company is kind of being able to to go operate on the fly or go on the fly. I mean, I think every day I get new bottlenecks that I'm aware of that I have to go troubleshoot that I didn't know about before, you know? So mm-hmm. one example could be, I, I just found out today that two different research teams have like completely two different data needs and we only have one pull of data from, from the health system. So now how do I merge all those kind of requests mm-hmm. into one that makes sense and also can be filtered back to those two teams? So, I mean, that just came up today and I found out about it at 10 and I have to figure it out by the end of the day. So I think like the ability to kind of see a problem and like go go solve it that day and, and, yeah. and, and being able to kind of adapt really quickly is something that is very different about this role that I wasn't used to. Um, you know, before in strategy, you've got like a week to kind of write a report and here it's like every day there's something new. Um, yeah, it's probably also because maybe it's a smaller team and m- maybe because you have so many people dependent on you that, you know, it's not just you alone working, but sometimes if, because you, you know that there are other people waiting for you, you, the, the pressure to sort of get things done is a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say kind of the last trait, and I would say this is more specific to partnerships. It sounds corny, but I would say like relationship building and trust. I think when I look at why the deals ultimately get done, it's because someone had a relationship, like a really good relationship right. with right. someone on the opposite side. It's not because they're the most kind of biggest name in healthcare mm. or because, you know, like, you know, it's not like every person that we work with is a Mayo Clinic, you know, or someone really famous. Um, there's two deals specific or two partnerships specifically that we that we've kind of signed for this product that I mean, it's because like the two VPs had personal relationships with the leaders of those companies. And yeah. so even when it was really awkward and things got a little tense with negotiations, like it was kind of that personal relationship that carried it through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like sometimes it means that those two executives have to sit down and have breakfast together. So I guess it doesn't really answer your question because that's not a specific trait for me, but it's kind of like what the group needs to embody. No, um, it, it, it is and, an important and kind of what, what the team needs to have in order to succeed. Yeah. Because sometimes, I mean, cold calling and trying to find like your sponsor user is not going to work. Like yeah. you kind of need to have a really personal kind of trusting relationship to get, get it done. No, I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up because I'm sure that the success of projects like these really depends on not only the quality of the partner, but the quality of being able of or the quality of the project depends on how well you work together, right? And this is where the, mm-hmm. this relationship piece comes in. And the more mm-hmm. you're better at relationship building, probably the better partners, you know. So, I mean, here it, mm-hmm. it sounds like that the VP you're working with seems to be playing a lot of that role. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, and the typical background you already addressed to some extent that, you know, healthcare definitely seems to be important, specifically if you if you want to do anything in healthcare, just because the industry is so different and complex. But other than that, or specifically what you're doing, would you cite anything else as a typical background? Um, I mean, I would say, I think going back to how I think the job is, I mean, I think um, having a business background has been really helpful because, I mean, part of it as we're developing the product, there's ultimately, I mean, we've been on the behind the scenes working out a, you know, a pricing strategy. And then we had to figure out a pricing strategy that also covers our cost, right? So with the pricing strategy, there's like the market analysis, the competitive analysis, what we think the value is in terms of, um, you know, savings or better outcomes. But then we have to cover the cost. And and the cost is like dependent on which platform that we use and how much third party content we have and and what we're what we're giving away or what we're giving to our health system partners for their time in Mm. co-developing, right? You need to cover all those costs too. So there is some level of like business business savvy that comes with with the job um and then i mean hey if if someone has product management experience i mean that would be a great fit i didn't have any Hmm. and i'm learning everything on the fly but if you know kind of you know how to do an agile sprint and how to kind of organize all these you know i mean that that's like kind of a more pure product management but i mean that that's also kind of part of the job too because if you need to get to an mvp or a pilot version of the product you need to make sure that you can do all those things to get there yeah yeah okay would you actually recommend any resources that uh, anyone who's interested can use to learn more or, or prepare for interviews you know what's funny I, I i don't have any books to recommend but it was really weird that when i got when i did my ibm orientation hmm. um they used a lot of youtube videos like there's okay. actually quite a few videos a lot of videos that ibm has online about what is cognitive what is ai how do you train watson and i learned about a corpus and you have to ingest this data and it does algorithms like this and so there's actually quite a bit of public material okay. on youtube about the company and how it works and if it's any consolation like they show those videos in our orientation so, <laughs> okay so um, same content <laughs> so is there yeah. um, 
is there anything that comes to mind like should people just google something or um i mean i think i mean what was helpful for me is just learning how watson works because i mean watson's a technology that kind of powers what we're doing for Watson Health, but say you don't really want to be in healthcare, but you want to do partnerships for a different industry, like mm. understanding kind of how Watson works and kind of what, when you think about a partnership, like the data assets that you need to acquire and, and what actually, like what kind of human expertise needs to go into training, right? So for us, for this particular product, it's clinicians, right? We need to understand kind of how they do their work in order to to teach Watson and to train it and also to say like, this is the right answer and now go find it. Um, you know, for any other industry, that expertise is going to look different and you're going to get it from a different source, but you still need to understand kind of how Watson works in order to get there. So, yeah. I mean, I, th- I thought it was fascinating. I-, I was surprised at the amount of detail that they went into in those presentations. Yeah. So in, in your specific case, when you were, so I, I know that here in this case, it was one of your ex-colleagues who said that, hey, you should apply for this job. But when you were mm-hmm. preparing for the interviews, I, I'm assuming you had to interview, right? Or was it just a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely had an interview. So, <laughs> so did you just, did you do anything to prepare at that time? Um, I mean, I read as many articles as I could online about the company and mm. and what they were doing. Um, but I, I mean, I think it's it feels like similar to startup where there's not a ton of information that's publicly available because people keep it pretty close to the chest if mm. it's something that's under development. So, I mean, I would just say like with any interview, like you'd have to study up on like every single press release that the company has put yeah. out on this topic and yeah. understand kind of where they're going. Um, but I mean, honestly, most of the stuff that I know about IBM and Watson and Watson Health, I had to learn once I got here because yeah. with this stuff, that's all kind of, I was like company, I wouldn't say like, listen, it's not a company secret, but it's just like kind of how we make our money. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. No, no, I understand stuff before it's released. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, if you are recruiting for something which is more partnerships focused, maybe look at the market and see what the other competitors in the space exactly. are doing. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, yeah. Watson has some, you know, like publicly announced partnerships, especially for products that are already launched, you know, like the oncology one. Hmm. And so, you know, studying kind of how those were structured and, and how those partnerships came to be and, and, you know, what each, com- you know, what each partner did, like, those are all helpful things. Right. And generally, what is a good way to apply, whether... Uh, I'm here, you know, whether it's at for roles within IBM or even outside, what have you, what is your experience? Yeah. I mean, I, as a career switcher uh, from healthcare mm-hmm. into tech, like I actually had a pretty hard time. I, I think I had looked at other, I had looked at other health tech startups when I was thinking about a career transition actually. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually found the transition I, I, it was actually really hard for me to get interviews because I was missing the tech piece. Hmm. And actually, was it was kind of strange, too, is I actually had some companies actually say, even though they were in health tech, like, I, we purposely try not to hire healthcare people because we want to think outside the box. And I'm oh, like, wow. how can you do that if you're an insurance <laughs> company in a Medicare, like, regulated industry? Wow. So that was surprising yeah. to me. But um, so I would say, um, you know, my strategy of just kind of resume dropping and cover letter dropping did not work. Hmm. Um, I mean, what ultimately goes back to kind of the theme of what we've been talking about is relationships. And like, I got this job because, you know, I knew the person who was hiring. And so yeah. I would say that if you know a company that you're interested in, I mean, you would have to kind of, I mean, it's kind of like kind of classic, classic recruiting advice, but you, it would really help if you knew someone in the group or at the company Mm. and networked your way in because Mm. those resume drops, I mean, for me, they didn't work. And uh, I know that IBM is a really big company and um, 
And, and so like, I don't know how effective yeah. resume dropping would honestly, yeah. you know, it would be. And so like, it would be best to actually kind of do a coffee chat or just find someone in your network who's worked there and who can try to connect you to the right person. Yeah. I mean, your advice is consistent with pretty much everyone. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's it takes true. a lot of work, yeah. but it, it's the only way that, that I know how to do it. So yeah. 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 And have you noticed any way that candidates can stand out? Because it, like, like you said, right, it, it's so competitive in this particular space, as an example, are there things that you think will stand out on a resume? Um, you know, I mean, I think it's having um, prior relevant experience. I mean, okay, this sounds so canned, um, but I mean, like I was describing about my team, um, you know, like we've got someone, I mean, none of us have the same skill set at all, right? We've mm-hmm. got, you know, straight out of engin- straight out of MIT engineering grad, mm-hmm. who's like an engineer. Um, and then we've got someone who's done product management for 15 years and we've got me who's done like healthcare <laughs> systems for like the last three years. So, I mean, we're all really different. And so, um, you know, you might not have like all the experience that you need. Like I certainly didn't have any product management experience, but you really have to sell kind of like the thing that makes you different. And so, I mean, each of us are very different and each of us kind of has like a piece of the bigger puzzle. And so if you, if you're joining a team, you, I think you need to figure out what the missing puzzle piece is and, and how you're that you're the right fit. And so, you know, just because of the way our team is made up, I, th- I think it really works really well. And so if you're trying to recruit for a new position, you, want, you, want, you might want to understand what the gaps are and, fig- and try to sell kind of how you plug in the gap. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's a good point, right? Because a lot of times, like, you know, you tend to use your same resume everywhere. But a lot of mm-hmm. times it's just you may want to tweak some things a little bit just to accentuate certain areas, which might be a better fit for that particular role. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would say at, probably at Watson Health, I think people with healthcare experience is a little bit more rare. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like if you've got relevant AI experience or relevant um, like health tech experience, but not necessarily AI, like I think those are all good things. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was great, Amy. Thank you so much. Is there any other advice you'd like to share with people who are interested in exploring this space? Nothing that comes to mind other than that it's a super new space. And so, I mean, it's ripe for innovation. So yeah, I think it's a great place to be. And I, I know, and I just want to reiterate, I guess, that there's always a misconception that we're trying to like take doctor jobs away. And so <laughs> if I were to channel the IBM CEO's kind of um, talking points, it's always that we're trying to augment, augment yeah. human intelligence. And so I would hope that anyone who's interested in that mission would be kind of interested in a role like this very cool excellent all right thanks a lot amy and uh sorry for keeping you till very late we're, we're recording oh, no this worries. at like was, 10 p.m fun. thanks <laughs> yeah thanks bye-bye okay bye all right so that was amy on partnerships development for ai-based healthcare i hope you enjoyed today's discussion and of course if you have any questions at all for amy or for me you can email us at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at led underscore curator If you enjoyed today's discussion, you should share it. Share it with your friends, your family members, your colleagues. Just take the link to the episode and share it on your LinkedIn, on your Facebook, on your Twitter, or whatever your network of choice is. You can also check out our website at learneducatediscover.com where you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter where we share the latest episodes as well as a number of other helpful career resources. And if you want, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, bye-bye.